place and they say it gets colder you're bundled up now wait till you get older but the media men beg to differ judging by the hole in the satellite picture the ice we skate is getting pretty thin the water's getting warm so you might as well swim but world's on fire how about yours that's the way i like it and i'll never get bored hello and welcome to this week's episode of say what you mean i'm jeff i'm jake and my world's on fire how about yours um, I didn't start it. That's the way I like it, and I'll never get bored. It's been burning since the world's been turning. Dude. <laughs> it is so bad this Thursday morning. It's dude, it's so smoky. Smoky. Yeah, it's just sm- the whole Northwest smells like a campfire, unless you're in the campfire. I heard on the east side of the fires, everything's all right. Oh, because but the wind's blowing west. Yeah. Yeah, but I mean, it's just, it's... There are so many fires. There's so much smoke. Mm-hmm. Last weekend I went camping. Um, what was the name of that fire? I was right next to one of the, the fires. Is that the Riverside Fire? No. Oh, gosh. What was it? I'll find it here. It's the Lion's Head Fire. Okay. So it's over by Lake Shasta. Or Shasta, sorry. Lake Billy Chinook. Oh. So we were we are driving. We drive over the mountain. Mountain's fine. Mm-hmm. We come down over towards like Warm Springs, and you just see this massive plume of smoke coming up from the. I guess we're looking south, and the smoke is just it's just hovering over Warm Springs, and I'm like, we're about to drive into that. Like, what is going on? Mm-hmm. And then we just watch to the south, and you could just see it was just concentrated, just this dense. It almost looked like. I don't know. It was just this massive like cylinder of smoke just going straight up into the air and then the cloud the smoke just going over the sky. That's and surreal. Then as you drive down into Warm Springs, the you know, we stopped to use the bathroom and the sun was all red because mm-hmm. of the smoke and so then we're going around and we go through Madras and we're driving towards the lake. Well, now we're heading west and we're just perfectly lined up with that fire. And I know that we're staying on the far west side of the lake. And I'm like, whoa, how close are we going to get to this fire? And we, you know, we drive super far to the far west end of the lake. And we weren't too far. I'd say we were, I don't know how many miles, but, you know, mm-hmm. not not too bad. Not to the point where, like, the smoke was, like, making, like. Yeah, it wasn't suffocating. It wasn't suffocating, but. It wasn't even on us. Like at night, it kind of came over, and then during the day, it was gone. Mm-hmm. But there was ash everywhere. Oof. Yeah. So I mean, it was an awesome trip. I love mm-hmm. camping out there in the desert in Bilishinook, and I got to do it finally with um, my sister Alex and Jen. But that was like, oh damn, there's a massive fire over here. Mm-hmm. Then on the way home Monday, we are driving towards the mountain from Warm Springs, and it's just blanketed from as far south to north as you can see mm-hmm. just smoke yeah and i'm like we're about to drive into that and there was i was using google maps and it was like your route may be hindered by forest fires and i was like what Jeez. and that was the one up on the mountain mm-hmm. mount hood that was on fire and it's just it's crazy at work there are so many there are drivers who live in salem there are drivers who live in malala there's drivers who live in like Camby. And they like some have been evacuated and are living in a hotel. Um, I can't imagine that, dude. So scary. I, I, I we're fortunate to live where we are because we don't have to worry about that. But yeah, like anybody in Central Oregon right now, Central to Southern or all the way to South Southern Oregon, yeah, like you could wake up tomorrow morning and be evacuated and then never see your home again. Right, like, that's a reality. It's so scary. Packing your things and like just waiting to possibly be told you have to go mm-hmm. or not, but still suffocating because the freaking dude, the air quality. It's awful. Oh my word. The only time I can remember being like this was um, when all, when the Eagle Creek fire a couple years ago, down the gorge, down in the gorge. Yeah. And then all the California fires, there was like a really strong South wind and all that, Cali- all that smoke from California got pushed up here. Yeah. I remember trying to goose hunt in um, that September and like you just couldn't it was just awful like, I think this is worse than that isn't it it probably is as far as like levels this they said this is the worst it's been since 1910 or something like that so the the AQI air quality index over is over 550 in parts of Salem and Eugene 
The official AQI chart says that anything above 300 is hazardous. Oof. So we've blew past that. Yeah. Wow. And yeah. I have drivers who live in Salem. Mm -hmm. And they're just, what do you do? You breathe that in? Even today, I have to go to work. Mm -hmm. I'm inside, but my drivers are outside all day. Well, you know, what happens? Yeah. I, I don't know what it's going to look like when I'm walking into. Because yesterday wasn't great either because there were areas we couldn't service. There were drivers that we didn't have to service area. It was just, it's been chaos. Yeah. On top of a pandemic. Yeah, right. <laughs> right. Yeah. It's, if you look at like, there's like, there's charts that I've seen shared on social media. Yeah. Where it's like. I, I don't know which government agency it is, but that has like, it's mapped all of the fires and then like the circle of the fire is to scale, like of how big the, how relatively okay, big, big those, big the fire is yeah. relative to other fires. And like from basically Colorado to the Pacific ocean, it's just one gigantic freaking <laughs> fire. Wow. It's crazy. It's there right now there's they're evacuating um all the areas around lake merwin uh Whoa. and amboys like a level one or like a level two i think yeah. and because there's multiple fires up there and i'm like not the grist mill don't take the grist mill yeah. and I, it's oh my god dude i'm scared like there's so much like i was uh i was on a hike i went and did a hike in the in the gorge on uh on monday mm -hmm. and you know driving kind of like you just driving completely unaware because like i was checking the the weather because i knew there was going to be a heavy wind warning oh dude the wind was insane on monday night but yeah. i was like okay if i can get in and get out before the wind start really picks up i'll be good so i was just watching that but there wasn't any air quality like i remember years ago when there was air quality um concerns right it was it would come across your weather app and they would say like air quality concerns or whatever smoke and i didn't see any of that i'm like oh so we must be good so i'd like an idiot, start driving into the gorge. I hit Troutdale, and like you said, like just this plume of smoke coming down the gorge because yeah. it was right about when the uh, the Mount Hood fire had started. Mm -hmm. So it, uh, that's, that south wind and the east wind were pushing everything into the gorge and just settling into the lowlands. Mm -hmm. Sorry for hitting my. It's all good. Anyway, the uh, yeah, and then so I was like, well, we're gonna, I'm like, we're gonna do it anyway. So we <laughs> pull into. Um, Wakulla Falls, which is just right, really right next to Tanner Creek, Bonneville area. Okay, and it's still. We thought we could go there. I didn't check the north. I didn't check the National Forest Service's website, but it's still closed from Eagle Creek fire. Oh like, wow! There's there's there was so much damage to the trail that there was falling debris still, like it's right. all loose and everything. So we couldn't go there. So then we went to uh, Wakina Falls, which is near um multnomah falls and then went all the way up that which is super steep but mm -hmm. it was a really cool mm -hmm. hike and once you got up like above the rim of the gorge mm -hmm. you didn't really get much smoke it was when you came back could you down where you like look could you see down on it you could see down Whoa. onto the smoke layer so like when we got like wow. there's this place called lemons viewpoint that's mm -hmm. on this trail and it overlooks the gorge it's gorgeous mm -hmm. and like, yeah, you could look down and it was crazy because you could see 84 from there. So all you could see were you couldn't really make out the cars, you mm -hmm. could, but you could see their lights right from wow. way down there. It was a crazy picture. Dude, the pictures of like red skies and mm -hmm. dark skies at like noon. Mm -hmm. It's freaking crazy. Yeah. Well, this is the first time we've ever really had like a fire season. This is probably we're probably going to be dealing with this dry conditions and fires until probably November, where yeah. they're not really expecting much rain to really? help. So we had twenty five percent less rainfall in August than we did last year. Wow! And last year was already a dryish year. Yeah. So, so you know I love conspiracy theories. You you do. I do. I hate conspiracy theories. I but don't believe them. I'm I'm to the point now where it's just like I don't I I I think I'm a classic conspiracy theorist. Because in 2020, everything's a conspiracy. Mm -hmm. Everything. Everything. If there's something happening, there's probably a conspiracy about it. And I I don't know, maybe that's the issue with like things in the past, right? Maybe I'm just I don't know, maybe because I'm living through it, it's annoying me. But really, this has been a trend throughout time. Mm. But the fires, dude, everybody's like saying Antifa's doing it. And have you heard this? No. You haven't? No, I haven't. Oh, yeah, dude. This is all Antifa. This is 
this is people starting fires and I, yeah. Well, that's, that, that's the uh, that's when Hitler burned the uh, blamed the burning of the Reichstag on the Jews. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I mean that's that's where we're at, dude. And, and I love conspiracies. If if it's like you know the more twisted and in depth and like the more questioning there is, like I'm like all about it, right? But to this, uh, yeah, it's Antifa. There weren't any riots last night in Portland, but all of a sudden fires are popping out everywhere. Maybe it is them, but don't just say that. You can't just say that. But then I read a freaking article about a man arrested on arson allegations in wildfire west of Eugene on really? September second. Yeah. Hmm. So they kind of already. But what's crazy to me is like they know pretty quickly what started the fire. Like there's yeah. there's a the Riverside fire. Okay. The one that's going on in Clackamas right yes. now. Okay. The really really big one that's threatening most of like Clackamas County. Yeah. That one, uh, what they knew was like human. So I was looking at like the fire, like the Clackamas uh, County's uh, fire department, like website okay. about it. And it just said cause human. And I was like, okay, well, that didn't give any, like that doesn't, I, I want to know, like, right. was it somebody doing a gender reveal party? Was it some right. idiot with a campfire? Was it like a homeless guy that just, you know, needed to get warm? Like, right. what, like what is it? Oh, yeah. So, because they're I, driving out of Delta Park last night. I saw like two homeless people lighting fires like around their right. little tents, and I'm okay. like, "You've got to be, like, you've got to be kidding I mean, me." There's but, fire bands at everywhere. You can't even camp with the fire. I, I know when that I, was weird. Yeah, when I went up uh, on my hike up to Zigzag Mountain, the uh, all of the area, the campground, like the kind of remote campground around Burnt Lake, mm-hmm. there was just like no fires. Yeah, like, they were very strict about that. Um, anyway, so. Uh, I, I went. I went and researched like what started the Riverside yeah. fire, and it was apparently some guy pulling like a uh, some guy pulling a trailer, mm-hmm. and he had a loose chain, and it's like, apparently because the lo- the chain was hitting the hitting the asphalt, it created Sparking. just a spark, and that was what caused it. Like, how do you know that? Like, how do how are they, how do they know that? Like, how do they know that? Like, how are they able to deduce it that quickly? I don't know. Is that like a forensic fireman? They have those, right? Yeah, I mean, like maybe somebody. Draft? I mean, you have to ma- you have to imagine somebody saw it. Oh, they right? are. Yeah. yeah, yeah, for sure. So I, that's the only thing I can think of. But I mean, that and then there's that gender reveal in California. in California that's now threatening basically all of Medford and yeah. Mm-hmm. Our Medford terminal is shut down. It shut down the other night and then reopened yesterday. And then right when I was leaving, they were evacuating it again. And I, they sent us pictures and there's flames right on the other side of the gate of that terminal. Yeah. It's scary. All of pretty much all of Kylie's family lives down there. Oh yeah. Yeah, dude. So Antifa just chill out with the fires, bro. Dude, they're not lighting the fires. (laughs) Although I'm not, if you, it's kind of a, it's kind of a genius terrorist move though. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, if you're going to if what what has Donald Trump said? He's been pretty silent on it. Mm-hmm. I haven't heard him say anything. No. Barack Obama said something. Did he? About the yeah. fires? Yeah. Well, I think they're they're going, I mean, it's climate climate change. Yeah. Yeah. Kamala Harris said something. I mean, but she has to, right? Mm-hmm. Well, she's from California. California. Um he did tweet this morning though. I just wanted to point this out. Kim Jong Un is in good health. Never underestimate him. I just thought that should be shared. Trump tweeted that? Yeah. Jesus. Okay. Whatever. <laughs> um, the, uh, yeah, these, these fires, uh, I mean, these, this America, the United States is, is starting to experience what the rest of the world has been experiencing with, with, uh, changing climate. Right. Uh, for the last, you know, decade. And yeah, I mean, now it, it's, it's time for, I mean, it's eventually was going, we we had the geographical, advantage of not having to deal with the dra- dramatic effects of advanced climate change right like india and p- most of the middle east has been dealing with for a long time africa now it, it's it's coming here right and we're dealing with incredible dryness droughts mm-hmm. and this is the co- i mean this is the cause cause of that you can yeah. bl- you can blame bad bad forest practices all you want oh there's not all this not they don't 
they don't take care of the undergrowth, all that kind of stuff, right. all of the national, the national preservation stuff, because it, they got rid of logging. So now they're not getting rid of the old trees, whatever. That might be a reason why these flames are more intense. Mm-hmm. Sure. But the reason why these, all these fires are popping up all of the time now is because the climate is, this is a macro level problem. This is not right. just right. a micro level problem right. in terms of some policy that the, um, the national forest service has or the, the, you know, the, I don't know, the environmental protection agency. There's, there's just, there's, this is a macro level problem and it's going to, it's not something, it's a problem that transcends borders mm-hmm. and it's something that we have to try to address globally. And this is a, coinciding with a global pandemic that is forcing the United that well there's a trend that started but the global leader has now is re-entrenching itself saying we don't want to deal with anybody else's problems right but this is a problem that we're all going to be dealing with and we're dealing with right now mm-hmm. so I don't, I don't know where we go from here but if you, if you can look at that and be like ah this is just a cycle you're 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 lying to yourself yeah. this this is this is this is legitimate cause for concern and we're i think the united states is, is having its first climate refugees mm-hmm. these people that are being displaced these yeah. are climate these are climate That's change refugees point. yeah so one thing i was thinking about as far as policy and funding um when you underfund the forest service and when you underfund different programs and institutions that that are designed to react or prepare for things like this. That could be a reason why mm-hmm. there's underpreparedness. Yeah. I don't, I'm not certain, but mm-hmm. that's just a thought I had. Like you're talking about, Oh, yeah. well the forest service isn't doing this or doing that. And well, if we don't have funding for the things like that, then I think that that might play into it. I would have to do some research, but it wouldn't surprise mm-hmm. me. You know what I mean? Yeah. The, the complaint from a lot of the rural um, I, I don't know, people who are more like, I guess, come from a, like a logging background okay. or more rural background who they, their complaint is that the Environmental Protection Agency, National Forest Service, under policy started under the Clinton administration, didn't allow for logging in the national, like in the, in these national forests. Mm-hmm. And because they're not they're not logging, you have all of this fallen timber right. that is now not getting taken out. Okay. And they're not managing the forest to keeping them thin. So when there are fires that start, you have all of this underbrush and all of these dead logs that are basically just kindling that go up instantly. Right. And don't have a lot of resilience to because um, a live tree is harder to light on fire than a dead tree. And right. It's gonna, it's going to have more water and. So they're saying there's all this dead under all this dead these dead trees and logs and then all of this underbrush just act as as fire and in, in accelerants. Mm-hmm. So when these these flames when these fires happen, they just burn so hot so quickly that they're almost uncontainable. Oh. And so that's that is one of their that's one of their complaints. Right. I don't know if that I haven't done the research. Right. I don't know if that's true. That might be valid. Right. And like I said, it's probably a contributing. It it more than likely is a. It makes sense. Right. It's probably a contributing factor. Um, but I don't, I and I don't know how you correct for that. I don't know how you, right. where the, the balance is between trying to preserve, um, our national resources and our public lands for public use, like going out and being able to see the scenic national gorge, mm-hmm. not the Columbia river gorge and not having to watch the whole hillside getting logged. Right. Right. So like, wh- where's the balance there between private and ent- between, mm-hmm um between private and public mm-hmm. like where, where's the balance and since the the national forest service doesn't have its own logging necessarily its own logging company so right. you got to rely on private companies to do that so then how do you i, I don't know the answer to that i'm right. not pretending that i do i just know what the argument is but the reason why these fires are starting in the first place isn't necessarily because of policy policies it's because there's changes to the climate so this is the macro is causing these is is exposing these potential micro problems right right that's that's the argument that i'm saying well and you're seeing you're seeing this in the pacific northwest right Mm -hmm. but we've seen massive superstorms 
hurricanes, tornadoes all over the U.S. on the East Coast and, you know, Southeast affecting those communities and people. I don't know. I don't know how you don't see how things are just amplifying all over. Mm -hmm. I mean, even with just last year's, quote, fire season, and now we have another fire season. I don't remember in my lifetime experiencing seasons like this. Mm -mm. What does that say? It's been 33 years, almost 34. Um, yeah. Your birthday's <laughs> this month. Uh, of, of just this, you know, nothing like this, nothing on this level. And it's, it's, it's crazy. It's crazy. Like you said, the people are being displaced, you know, dude, there's a respiratory pandemic mm -hmm. and now the world is on our end is filled with smoke i know it's just you can't get worse i saw a meme that said that the next up for 2020 is that the bermuda triangle is going to become a roomba and just randomly move around <laughs> around the globe right i mean it's just there's always i don't know man it's just getting bad it's getting bad and i you know I, what's november gonna look like in terms of the politics? Yeah. Well, if you want to see fires, <laughs> there's going to be, there will be fires in November. Yeah. Uh, regardless of how this turns out. I mean, the, we talked uh, about, so that we appreciate everybody because we weren't, Jeff and I weren't here last week. So I yeah, hope you guys enjoyed you. Uh, To the Republic where Jeff and I talked about uh, federalism. Mm -hmm. uh, that was one that we recorded for the radio station two months ago. Uh, well, not for this month, but last month. So this was, August's episode of mm -hmm. To the Republic. So it was about a month ago that it released. Um, but Matt and I talked about causes of the Civil War for this month's episode for To the Republic. And you can find that on KXRW's website. Um, eventually, we'll, we'll, it will release it here on, on this platform. Mm -hmm. But we, we try to keep those for when we need, a, we need a week off. I have school again. And Jeff has school again. <laughs> You're busy, busy, busy. Yeah. So... Uh, one of the things that I brought up was, yeah. you know, each side viewing every move by the other as antagonistic. For sure. Even if it's not necessarily meant to be that way, that's the way it's perceived. Mm -hmm. And everything is connected, right? Because, because the battle lines of battle lines have essentially been drawn. Right. Um, in the 18, from the 1820s to the 18, to 1860, those, that issue, the line was on the issue of slavery. Right. Every time one side proposed something or the other, the other side saw it as an, is as one team making a move against the other. Right. So it was antagon it was trying to antagonize the other because we've got like this team identity. And I don't know where that word what necessarily what specific issue um is those battle lines right now between right, right. where these but there is clearly defined teams. Like oh, we've absolutely. we've talked this about this at length over the yeah. last two years. And those teams keep getting more and more defined. Yeah. The the thing that I see is like because everything is connected right now, every, every fires are created by Antifa. Um, the masks are a part of this, you know, conspiracy Government to control. take, trying to take down Trump, right? It's right. all of this stuff. We've got, you know, QAnon, all of these different, yeah. everything can be explained by a conspiracy theory that it's in trying to antagonize the other side. Right. And I see with, especially with like now social media too, mm -hmm. like with mm -hmm. the, with Patriot prayers, um, being removed off of those private, oh, yeah. those, those private companies' sites is being more and more antagonistic. Right. November, my point is, is that November fourth is going to November third is going to be a flashpoint. Like yeah. one side is going to lose. Yep. And how does that side accept loss? I, 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 I don't know what's going to happen, and I'm scared. Yeah. I'm it, really scared. Is loss accepted? Is loss accepted? That's that. I guess that is a point. Right. Is that even something that I don't I mean? I'm only 29. I haven't lived through very many elections, mm -hmm. but I don't it just. But we're both students of history. I don't know of another time that there was a real question that there would be a peaceful transition of power. It's not like there hasn't been a lot of hatred between both sides. You right. can even go back to the Adams Jefferson election of of 18 of the election of 1800 and the election of of in, in election of 1804 1803 like those were hotly contested mm -hmm. like those guys hated each other you had passing of the alien and sedition acts which were trying to jail journalists for for writing against the government mm -hmm. but i have never 
at least nothing that I've ever come across was right. that there was a legitimate concern that there would be a peaceful transition of power. Mm-hmm. Yeah. In an election in the United States. Yeah. Anything that you can that, recall? That has to be concerning for more than just us. <laughs> You'd have to. You would I hope, you would nothing hope so. that I recall. Yeah. No. Yeah. I, I don't know. I'm really, I'm really scared. Yeah, me too. On top of fires and pandemic, <laughs> we have a freaking election that that we are concerned about a peaceful transition. Mm-hmm. Yikes! Well, he's telling people to vote twice in North Carolina, which is the swingiest of all swing states. Yeah. So you wanted to talk about that. I didn't really do too much research in it. I saw that he had been saying that, and then he was trying to backtrack, and I was just like, you know what? Like, I'm not even. I'm not even gonna. But I'm sure you did. So. You're not, you're not going to bite? Yeah, I mean, I, I I saw the headlines and I was like, I should probably read into that. But I was like, you know what, dude? Like, his tweet about Kim Jong-un this morning. It's like, I saw a perfect tweet the other night. It was like, you know, there's this reports of him realizing early how bad the pandemic mm-hmm. was going to yeah, be. Yeah, and then he even talks, even admits it to Bob Woodward, who's like writing, who's writing a book. Yeah. And says... I knew how bad it was going to be, but I didn't want people to panic. And the tweet said something like like that, like that mm-hmm. quote, right? I knew how bad it was going to be, but I didn't want people to panic. And then the next like part of the tweet was like all these quotes of like Antifa and like all these things that he's constantly shouting about people to be afraid of mm-hmm. and to fear. Yeah. Mail-in voting, Antifa, the left. Like for somebody who's not trying to cause chaos and panic – I don't really know if he's doing such a great job at that. Well, here's the question that arose in a uh, opinion piece I wrote. I just read in the Atlantic from yeah. um, um, what's his Graham. I can't remember his first name, but mm-hmm. he's a he's he's an op-ed writer for Washington Post, mm-hmm. and he made the argument that it's impossible to know when the president is purposely trying to manipulate or when he believes his own hype. Mm. because what it's impossible to try to know because you would have to seem you have to assume like when he's talking to Woodward is he trying to purposely manipulate Woodward with saying that he knows that it's that it's going to be as bad as it's going to be so then down the road he's got wiggle room to go either way with a narrative oh yeah or is he or does he legitimately believe that this was bad and just but, botched but it. Just bought, but just, and just botched it, made the wrong calculation, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. I think in his mind it was, or are we just like, maybe he was worried about how bad it was going to be for the economy, not for individual people, because he clearly yeah. does not care about the death toll. No. It, it, he doesn't even mention it, or he tries to downplay it. Yes, yeah. Which is even worse than not even mentioning it. Yes. The... But he's constantly talking about the economy being destroyed. Always. Constantly. Yeah. Because he ties his election chances to the economy. Like, that is the only thing you hear most right-leaning independent people who may not be comfortable voting left mm-hmm. talking about. It's like, well, do we give him credit for the economy? Do we give Trump credit for the economy? Right. If, if, if that's your only indicator for voting an election, whatever. But the... I think Trump knows that if he's going to squeak out at an, an election, right, it has to be because people believe that he is best for the economy. He's best for their pocketbooks, right. And we've talked about this quite a bit that as long as people's pocketbooks aren't hurt, they generally don't care about politics. That's true. We did talk about that, but but didn't we also talk about onto the Republic like the ebbs and flow of capitalism, mm-hmm. the highs and the lows, yeah, and the consistent growth and the natural drops, right? Yeah. We were going to come to that bubble bursting, mm-hmm. whether it was through his election or not, or yeah. after, or or whatever that looked like. But the uptick and uprise, how was that not the responsibility or the results of the policies and things put in place from the administration before? Well, anybody who understands economics knows that. Duh! <laughs> And we talked about we've talked about all of this at length. I guess, I guess this is just a recap episode. Yeah, the, Trump and we we I, we we identified this early that Trump was sacrificing long run stability. Yep, 
for short run gains. Yeah. Can you give him credit for it reaching the peak that it did? Sure. But I wouldn't give him too much credit because we because anybody who understands economics knew what the what the long term results are going to be right, right, for that. Right. What the pandemic did was accelerated a process that was mm-hmm. already in place and it's going to exponentially make it worse. Yeah. But we were headed for a pretty steep recession anyway. You mm-hmm. cannot continue to grow at the length that we were continued because his deregulatory practices were going to give a we're going to give a short run boost to an already healthy economy. Right. Because the economy was performing very, very well even with semi restrictive um uh, financial policies in place right and the economy was already doing really really well but Mm -hmm. it was about the it was about the plateau because there's only so well you can do before it starts to go back down right trump noticing that not wanting to have a risk not wanting to have a plateau on his or you could say conspiracy theory he wanted to just maximize his own his own personal wealth because Mm -hmm. he hasn't divested from his companies had all all these deregulatory practices that then accelerated the economy to new heights do you give him credit for that? I, when you're looking at the economy right now, I don't think you can because a lot of the levers in place that could have helped the economy right now in a global pandemic, mm-hmm. why those levers were put in place originally mm-hmm. following the Keynesian economic model, aren't there for the government to pull because, through either monetary policy or fiscal policy because those institutions and that money and those policies have been gutted. Right. So... I can't give him credit for that. I'm not giving him credit for the economy because if if the peak is his economy, so is this trough. Yeah. Oh, that's a great point. And so are you I'm not going to give him credit for creating a an economic environment where you're dealing with massive swings. Right. I'd rather be dealing with the Obama economy, which is more of a steady roll right. of the like on the plains right. or like the, the the Palouse, right? You <laughs> see those rolling hills versus the Grand Freaking Canyon. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good point. Yeah, and like what you mentioned there briefly, but it's like it's the it's it's how low those troughs are and the institutions and policies put in place so that we don't hit the lowest of lows. That's great that you hit a high of high. Mm-hmm. But if the result to that is a low of lows because of what you've changed, then how can you celebrate that economic plan? Mm-hmm. I, I don't think you can responsibly, but he's trying to obviously I mean obviously the politics of it then come into play is how do you then take credit how does how do you build a narrative that then takes credit for the peak but doesn't give you does but then doesn't give you responsibility for the trough right and that's what he's trying to do and that's what any politician would I try like to said that what any politician would try to do but it's our job as informed citizens to weed through those narratives yeah and hold oh, the right yeah. people and right hold the right people accountable and that's what we try to do is to hold the right people accountable yeah and don't just be a tool for your guy in office Hold them accountable. Yeah. That's all I'm saying. Dude, we didn't even talk about any of this, but like <clears throat> just briefly, I want to talk about like just this this cult of personality we've talked about a million times before, but that Trump parade that went driving through Portland mm-hmm. and people are dying and getting shot and tensions are rising. Yeah, and, you basically have a tit for tat like situation. Yeah. Where the, there wasn't there was basically an assassination of a right right-wing mm-hmm. protester yeah by someone who identifies with the left basically i mean i don't know the motives but listening to eyewitnesses he the guy just walked across the street and shot him yeah yeah it's what the hell i mean i don't know i just don't understand one and i haven't said this publicly but whatever is going down going on downtown is just escalating and getting worse and i haven't you know i haven't honestly i haven't heard anything recently because of the fires right Mm -hmm. so i don't really know if there is much activity downtown but like there is just it's a lot of just venom from the extremes of each side venom is a perfect word yeah they're spitting it at each other yeah it's just it's and and killing each other now killing each other Mm -hmm. killing each other and that that they're coming from other states yeah yeah, that's the frustrating part. That's annoying, dude. They're they're inserting themselves into these hotspots. Right, right. What I mean, what what started in Portland was a grassroots movement. What started in Kenosha was a grassroots reaction to something that had happened in the context of social and of social and racial inequality in this right. country. 
people coming in from outside to then insert themselves into that to escalate that yeah is what's happening and that's what's scary yeah because there's parallels to that in the lead up to the civil war with bleeding kansas most of the most of the 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 violence that was happening in bleeding kansas in mm-hmm. the 1850s were people from missouri and illinois free soilers and slaveholders coming in and and basically riling the shit up in, in the kansas territory right like there's there's all when you really dig into that history there is so many parallels right that's terrifying yeah and it might seem like we're just being i don't know the word but it's quite possible that something could 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 happen mm-hmm. you know i don't want to say that i don't want to think that i want to think that we're better than that and we've come far from that but i think the biggest mistake with a lot of people even even our, even myself is just like thinking that the united states is just immune to such things yeah. We look at what Donald Trump is doing. Like people, I don't know. Well, they. I think the reason why they, I think people on the right think that you can elect an authoritarian-esque person, person right. who holds an authoritarian view on the role of government because you see them, maybe you don't particularly like the guy, but you see him as a an effective tool to get what you want accomplished. Right. And the fallacy there is that you can control that person. Yeah. And nowhere in history, in any government, has that ever happened. Ever. Ever. Look at the main like the main three, the big three that most political scientists and historians point to were populists, the institutions in place thought they could control the populists. And the populists ended up controlling the institutions. Why? Because they're willing to play a different game. They're willing to flout institutional norms because the constitutions that are in place in the United, whether it's the United States or it's in, it's in Venezuela or it's in uh, 19, it's in the Weimar Republic in Germany in the 1930s or it's in Italy and the rise of fascism. Those constitutional republics, those constitutional democracies, regardless of how long they've been around, most of them rely on norms. Yeah. And we've talked about norms yeah. so much yeah. in their importance on how ever, on how things are done on a day to day basis because the the constitution is a limit is a limited document it right. cannot it cannot give you an answer for everything that arises throughout time especially when you're talking about a country that's been around for 250 plus years so the in, in, norms are important my point is is that what I think the fallacy here. And why you see so many on the right, especially so many on the Christian right, mm-hmm. they view Trump as a tool to accomplish what they what they want, and they think that the institutions of religion and the nation, and because they wrongfully they wrongfully assume that God, their higher their high the power the God of their understanding, mm-hmm. has an as an investment in the stability and longevity and the success of the United States mm-hmm. because for some reason God cares about the United States mm-hmm. which where in the Bible does it say that mm-hmm. that that then just that not only God but the institutions and religion itself will control Trump and they'll be able to usher in this utopia mm-hmm. Dude, that is exactly how Mussolini Hitler and Hugo Chavez took power yeah that's it what this is this is the dictator's playbook yeah and dictators don't be don't gain office without the support of the popular of mm-hmm. the populace yeah this is the path we're on right right and unfortunately there's a about a 40 to 45 percent chance that that's terrifying that the uh, <laughs> the minority who believe that are yeah. going to because of the electoral college the system that's in place will be able to usher him back into for right. another four, back into power for another four years. Yeah. <laughs> All over this belief mm-hmm. of tying reli- tying religion tightly to their political ideology, and then believing somehow that all of that working together will be able to rein in this guy, mm-hmm. and it's somehow going to work out in the long run for them. Right. It's right. just, and I love how those are the people who, who tell people like us, you don't know your history. Go read a history book. Like you don't know your history. It's yeah. like, yeah, no, yeah. I do know my history. 
this shit doesn't work. No. It never works out the way that you think it's going to. I, institutional stability is... This is why I'm a conservative. Right. Institutional stability, even though it may be great for slow change, it at least allows for st- stable change to happen. Right. That's why I'm also a capitalist who b- believes in Keynesian <laughs> economics. Right. Like, this is... Stable institutions, norms. These are important. Yeah, but you are you are thinking and and going off of analytics and knowledge, and people don't do that. They they vote and they are emboldened by emotion. Yeah, and that's what this is. That's the situation we're running into, and it's not just on the left or the right. It's on both sides. Yeah, people are emotional about things. If people would just stop and think critically about things, I think it'd be a lot different. You can't argue with emotion, though. No. You can't. Um, emotion, mind, and logic, mind, psychologically, no. are yeah. are are right, two exactly. very different things. And that's something that I've learned throughout my journey with mental health right it's right. like trying to get yourself when you're agitated and you're you can't be reasoned with when you're no, in emotion mind no, so it's trying cannot. to get yourself out of emotion mind mm-hmm. it's just that you can attach the same thing to political thought right that's a great point that's a great connection there yeah that's a great connection because you get stuck in this rabbit hole of thought of like oh no what if this and this and this and this and this and this and this that i could be talking about either anxiety and depression or politics yeah what if this happens and this happens and then this happens and this happens i can't let that happen at all costs i will make sure that this happens whether that's trump winning or biden winning Mm -hmm. wow that was a great connection there thank you yeah good job that's uh yeah dude so the world is on fire (laughs) and this is doom and gloom with say what you mean (laughs) Uh, oh, you want to talk man. about Herschel Walker and the RNC? Uh, yeah. Have okay. you kept up at all with? Uh, you know who Herschel Walker is? Uh, yeah, I didn't, but I I looked it up. Okay, yeah. So he's <laughs> uh he's a nice running back, a very good one. Mm-hmm. Uh, he played for the Dallas Cowboys. Um, and yeah, I mean, excellent running back, phenomenal human being. From everything I can gather, he's done a lot for his community. He's mm-hmm. uh politically active um he is politically active on a side that i wouldn't agree with but you know whatever i am constantly if an athlete wants to use his platform to spread what he believes is his truth he believes is the right path great for him right. um, i don't want i'm not saying i'm not telling him to just shut up and dribble but what i am saying is the people who selectively listen to herschel walker but tell colin kaepernick to stand up mm. What do you mean? I had a conversation <laughs> that came up. Someone said to me, uh-huh. did you hear what Herschel Walker had to say? Yeah. And uh, and I said, no, I generally don't listen to Herschel Walker. Okay. Said I'd use a football player. I mean, but I'm not going to him about anything about politics. I right. just not. Just shut up and dribble. <laughs> no, he can say whatever <laughs> he wants. I can just choose to not yes, listen to it or gotcha. take it seriously. I'm just giving you a hard time. I generally don't listen to LeBron James either. True. Like when he's talking about politics, I kind of tune him out. Okay. Unless it's about issues about racial about racial justice, then I'm like, I'll listen to him. Okay. He's kind of in tune to that. Right. But him talking about if he's going to try to talk about something involving international relations, I'm not going to listen to LeBron James. Okay. Anyway, so Herschel Walker <laughs> spoke at the RNC. He's a Trump. He is a Trump supporter. He supports okay. the president, and. Apparently, he said something on Fox News the other day because now he's become the spokesperson for the African-Americans who there's supposedly some like silent majority of Mm African-Americans who actually support the president, even though they're not um, outwardly saying that. Okay. Polls don't even indicate that. Something like 93% of African-Americans disapprove of. Wow. Disapprove of the Trump Trump's handling of mostly everything. Okay. Um. According to a Gallup poll I read. Mostly everything. <laughs> according to a Gallup poll that I read the other day. Like okay. I'm citing a source. Gallup did a yeah. poll right. of racial minorities in the United States and found that like 80-something percent of Hispanics and 90-plus percent of 
uh, African-Americans disapprove of the president's handling of racial relations in this country. They think they've gotten worse under this president. Wow. Anyway, so Herschel Walker uh, believes, said some stuff and my, and somebody came up to me and said, did you hear what Herschel Walker had to say? And I said, no, I don't generally listen to Herschel Walker. What did he say? He said that anybody who goes across state lines to cause violence should be tried federally, not by the state in which the the crime crime occurred. Okay. So the federal government should then supersede states' rights in terms of prosecution, which that gets into, that's another parallel, John Brown in uh, 1860 mm-hmm. look him up look up but look at john brown and the case of john brown raiding the uh, the state the federal armory in richmond virginia and the arguments between federal and state prosecution and get back to me because there is there's just so many parallels dude it's insane <laughs> it is crazy uh anyway so i said okay whatever that's herschel walker is not a politician mm-hmm. he has no influence on policy mm-hmm why i i don't care that he thinks that somebody going across state lines to cause violence right. should okay whatever that's his opinion don't right, care for sure for sure well he's like well that should be like that and i said okay fine just just for conversation's sake say that is that is the case right yeah, that becomes yeah. that becomes law mm-hmm. are you, is that going to also transcend to people like patriot prayer they're coming from vancouver into portland Mm-hmm. Well, I stand. He's like, well, I stand with Patriot Prayer. It's like, well, okay. Well, the thankfully the law mm-hmm. doesn't just can't be just selectively applied. Right, justice is supposed to be blind. Yes, <laughs> and this is kind of a straw man argument, right? right? But okay. I do see this echoed throughout. You can go on places like 24... There's this place called 24-Hour Campfire, okay. which is like this hunter-shooter's like blog thing. Okay. And it just... You see all this shit that goes all over right. the place. But it's just funny to me that Herschel Walker, whose only claim to celebrity is that he was a f- successful football player and he, and he supports the right type of politics, mm-hmm. his words should be taken seriously. Right. The words of other athletes mm-hmm. who you don't agree with mm-hmm. should just, you know, shut up. Don't put politics in my sports. Mm-hmm. I want to just be able to watch my sports. I don't want to be told by someone who doesn't know what they're talking about. Okay, fine. Or just don't listen. Yeah, yeah. Well, I think I think uh, you you hit it on the head right there when they're saying like keep keep politics out of my sport. Right? Did mm-hmm. I've heard that argument a billion times but here's a football player now talking about it and you're like hell yeah mm-hmm. well wait well wait, wait i mean he may not be playing now but he's a representative of the nfl regardless of if he wants to be or not mm-hmm. okay <laughs> well, it just shows the glaring hypocrisy dude it's so bad it's so bad and, and like you're talking about, like, the, the what a great point as far as, like, if you come across state lines to cause violence or whatever, if you commit a crime, only if I disagree, only if I, Jeff, disagree with the crime, decide whether you should be tried federally or through the states. So solely depending on if I agree with you politically or not. That is insane. But there are a lot of people who would... So many people. There's a lot of people who selectively apply their logic. Yes. And but that's, that gets back to that team mentality. Yeah, like, yeah. If the other side does it, it's this. It's an indication of systematic problems. This is how they all are. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Versus when I do it, this is, situa- this is situational bias. Mm-hmm. When When my side does it, it's out of necessity. They only did it because they didn't have any other options. It's okay because all these other environmental or social, uh, socioeconomics issues mm-hmm, mm-hmm. were were met and it required that action. So that action is then justified. Right. But when the other side does that exact same act, that exhibits that exact same behavior, it's, it's, it's used to generalize that whole group as a whole. Right, right. Yeah, it's it's weird. I sent you something um, 
Oh man, I think I might have deleted it. About you know, just people, this this idea of them being like victims, like they are the victims in all of this. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's somebody I know who posted this on Facebook, <laughs> and I sent it to you and see. Oh, this is the. Yeah, I, yeah, no, yeah, okay. no. The thing about Star Wars yes, is what I was okay. going to say. Yeah, just watch Rise of Skywalker. I couldn't help but think of the possibility that Trump people are the rebels and the evil empire is the radical left. Funny how it seemed to tell a tale of what could ha- could happen should the left prevail. Restricted movements, idea upon demand, and death. Um, oh crap! My screen locked. Sorry. ID upon demand and death and disappearances, bounties, and so on. Glad at least the Rebels won in the movie. Let's hope America prevails now. Who's in power? That's my point. (laughs) Who is in power? Who is your emperor? Who is your emperor? Mm -hmm. It's Donald Trump is your emperor. He, how was he Luke Skywalker <laughs> or, or, or Ray? How mm-hmm. was he the rebellion? Yeah. And he's not. <laughs> how? They believe it though. And that's, that's the, that's the image he's cast for himself. It's crazy to me. It's this constant, like, just if you say the words enough, it's true. Silent majority and whatever. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like they're the silent majority. Well, they're one, not silent. And two, are they the majority? No, they're not. I mean, no poll indicates that. No, no, not even 2016 indicated that they they lost the popular vote. Yeah. By three million (laughs) in an election of like very low turnout. Right, right. That's another thing I'm interested to see, excited to see is the turnout. It's going to be on both sides. I think Mm -hmm. we're going to have a lot of turnout on both sides, but I'm, I am interested to see. Just this massive increase of participation, Mm -hmm. which I think is great. And I've always said that if Donald Trump wins the election with 100 percent voters voting, dude, I'll eat it. But that'll never happen. So I will never eat it. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, you're pretty safe in in, in making that declaration. Yeah. But the. uh, Yeah, I. um, I'm fresh. I'm frustrated. Okay. By. By what you're basically by what you're that whole thing. The Star like Wars thing. This well, this that, but Jin, what what it reveals about their thinking. Yeah, yeah. Right. Is for that sure. he is this he's this crusader mm-hmm. who is coming in, basically like a messiah mm-hmm. who's ridding this country, this world of this evil. This that's the whole QAnon conspiracy. Right. Like I was right is like that. Trump is acting secretly trying to rid all the chimos out of out of the world system this right. this illuminati of lizard people who mm-hmm. are just controlling everything and trump is this guy who is this rebel who's the also the president of the most powerful nation in the country but he's a rebel with what <laughs> <laughs> reality are you living in it's so weird it's so weird dude um. Yeah, I don't know. He can. I will say he can say this and remember this. Person, woman, man, camera, TV. Yes, he can. <laughs> and it proves that he has no cognitive disabilities at all. At all. That is your guy. That is your. That is your hero. That is your. Your savior, like, and one thing that I keep saying, and I keep telling, like, guy, you know, I know a lot of Trump supporters, and and I, it, it, it's one that really gets them. It really does get them because Donald Trump is supposed to be this. He's doing it for the greater good, right? Mm-hmm. He's fighting the establishment, right? I, regardless of if you think that, he's still a politician now. He's still a politician. So when when they're showing me their new Trump mask or their new Trump flag or their new Trump blow up doll, and I don't mean that sexually. There was like one guy who had like a blow up Santa that he put on his roof, like just just weird merchandising, right? And they show me it, and they're like super proud of it and super stoked. And I just look at him, I go, "Yeah, dude, I don't know if I would ever, 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 ever." 
ever, ever, ever represent a politician at the level that you're doing it. And that always gets them to, uh, 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 because to him, he's not a politician, right? Mm -hmm. He is the master troll. And that's why they rep him. But when I throw that at them, they realize, I think it gets them, gives them pause of like, oh, I, I guess I am kind of representing this politician at a ridiculous level. They won't stop, which is fine, but it's just enough for me to get them to go, huh? That's all I do it for. Mm -hmm. It's weird. It's weird. A pol you're going to plaster a politician's face. You're going to decal it all over your entire truck. His name. You're going to drive down the Lake Billy Chinook with a massive Trump banner hanging off the top of your boat. I, I don't get it. I don't get it. The only, the only time I've ever put anything po political in a public space is Donna Sinclair's sign. And I'm not even in her district to vote, mm -hmm. but I put it out there for support. Right. Yeah. And maybe that's why I don't know. But the plastering of I'm not going to plaster my car with Donna's name. Sorry, Donna. I won't do it. I don't think Donna <laughs> would even really want you to plaster your car with her name. But what if it makes her win? I don't know. <laughs> I'm just driving to two places. <laughs> so only 10 people are going to see uh, it. You know, I, it's just it's like that's always my jab to them. It's like, hold up, dude. Like you love politicians that much. Mm -hmm. Well, no. I mean, it seems like it. Are you going to do this in 2024? For your Republican nomination? No. Unless it's Don Jr. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, God. Or Barron after that later in like 30 years. Yeah. Eric and Ivanka before that. Yes. Yes. You just get what I mean, though? It's just weird. I mean, okay. I'll eat my words because we have a Harry Truman bobblehead sitting right here. <laughs> yeah, I was going to bring that up. That's my bobblehead. Yeah, right? Yeah. Okay, but I can also admit shit that Truman did that wasn't good. Right, right. <clears throat> that's that's the difference, I think, is you can constantly be like, all right, give me two policies you agree with Trump and two policies you disagree. And they're like, they don't know. No. No. I, yeah, Truman, yeah. I it's more of a history thing and but yes I do I do look back I think a lot of Americans tend to do this and I'm even guilty of it you look back on um yeah. the further you get removed away from a particular period of history the more you look at it with rose tinted glasses for sure and uh unless it's really bad stuff like slavery um but like when I see Truman I see the post World War 2 era with mm -hmm. America taking the lead and when I um America taking its it's stepping onto the mantle of global hegemony and um, creating these post the creating the post war institutions and like that's the kind of stuff that when I look back at Truman and I see his foresight and I see how he not only that but how he interacted with with people and how he was able to sell America's world abroad to a populace that was wanting to re entrench itself back into isolationism mm -hmm. but saying mm -hmm. like no this isn't like this is he's because he made this he made the statement like you have people who um, people in the middle of, and people in middle America, people who are not in the beltway have less than 20 minutes a day to think about anything going on outside of their own little world. Right. And so trying to sell them why their tax dollars should be going to Europe or should be going to different places of the country, different places around the world. Right. Why should they care about it? He's like, you need a foreign policy that can articulate the need for that to the average individual. Mm -hmm. And I think Truman was able to not only balance the needs of a country coming out of world war two, mm -hmm. but also understanding the realities of a world that was, that had basically broke itself down to the bare bolts and was trying to build itself back up. And the United States being able to under Truman's leadership and Truman's vision being able to construct something that has ushered in a, a period of peace between major powers that has never been seen before in human history with all the other, with all the other um, considerations at, at play with the advent of nuclear weapons and the rise of a Soviet, the, the real rise of a Soviet Russia to rival the United States. And Truman was able to navigate all those waters and set the foundation for a transatlantic partnership that still stands today, even though it's been very rocky under this current administration. That's what I remember Truman for. 
and maybe I do have some rose tinted glasses, but that is tangible. Like that is tangible stuff that you can look at Truman and say that he was a good president. Right. I don't know. Man, I'm just rambling about Truman, but you need a Truman flag now. I need a Truman flag. <laughs> Dude, how how awesome would that be to just put a Harry Harry Truman flag like everybody drives around with, with a Trump, Trump, yeah. Trump flag. I saw that would a be Biden, hilarious. I saw a big tr- a big truck the uh-huh. other day and I saw just this blue flag coming down. It was a uh, 78th Street in uh 78th Street in Hazeldale Avenue. Mm-hmm. Right by the Buffalo Wild Wings and I was sitting on Hazeldale Avenue in the left turn lane and I see this big truck coming down from Fruit Valley, coming down from like Lakeshore Avenue, coming yep. up and like down towards Buffalo Wild Wings, heading uh, would have been north on 78th or okay. east on 78th. And he east, east, and he, I see this big ass blue flag in the back of his truck, and I'm like, Fuck, another Trump, another Trump flag. It gets past me, dude, Biden. It said Biden 2020, and there's this big ass truck, and I was like, that's a troll. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that is the troll now. Mm-hmm. That is the troll because Trump is represented in flags and decals everywhere. Mm-hmm. It's 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 you on your gamer tag putting Biden. Yeah. Like talk about silent minority. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like I I don't know. I I did think about that and have that conversation with some friends the other night. It's like is this going to be a case where most people aren't really talking about that they're going to vote for Biden? In the same sense that Trump won because people weren't really saying that they were going to vote for Trump. That's what 538 seems to be indicating mm-hmm. quite a bit. Mm-hmm. They keep moving the needle even further and further favoring Biden in this mm-hmm. election. And if you're looking at poll numbers, and I'm not saying Trump is Biden is going to win in Texas or win in Georgia. Right. But when you're looking at the spread difference in those states, mm-hmm. it's you'd have to then say, well, OK, if he is gaining in states that are predominantly and have been historically Republican, mm-hmm. what is that doing then to his lead in battleground states that right. he already has a cushion in? Right. States like North Carolina, Arizona, Pennsylvania, Wisconsin, Michigan. Mm-hmm. He's increasing his lead in popularity in those states. Right. The only state that he seems to not be doing well in, mm-hmm. or it's like he's not gaining ground but not losing ground, is right. Florida. Well, yeah. But Florida is an interesting case because you have it's such an amalgamation of the country as a whole mm-hmm. because you have every old person from all over the country retiring there. Right. So you've got all sorts of ideological you have just a huge mass mash of ideological right. I- oh, political yeah. ideologies living in that area. Yeah. So it's just like Florida is like the key bellwether. Like it it just every four years, I swear it flops. I was in its close elections, no matter what. I was going to say yeah, a little microcosm of that that I saw is when I went to Ocean Park, mm-hmm. uh, you know, like a month or two ago and just driving down. Oh, you know, it's a it's a town north of Long Beach. And I'm sure there's a ton of retirees. Same idea. Right. And there were like just so many different political signs left and right just all throughout the town in front of people's houses mm-hmm. and that's immediately what it what you're saying made yeah. me think of that's interesting yeah and florida is just a big version of that right right so it's it's it'll be interesting to see how florida goes biden can biden can lose ohio and florida and still have a huge majority in the in electoral college yeah because assuming he wins pennsylvania michigan um wisconsin virginia um, North Carolina and Arizona. <laughs> if he wins those, he'll still win by like 60 plus electoral points. Yeah. At that point, really, really what does Trump have mm-hmm. to claim as some deep sea conspiracy when you right. lose by that many electoral points? Right. But, you know, he's probably still will. I mean, what? he's going to go kicking and screaming. Oh, regardless. yeah. And he's yeah. gone from November to January to do it. Yeah. Like, he'll go kicking and screaming even if that's really what he wants because I think he... I have been saying this for four years. Yeah. I think that he has plans to start his own right of Fox News style media conglomerate mm-hmm. in every all of this this world narrative, this Alex Jones style yep. reality yep. that he's been building and propagating while he's been on his bully pulpit in the pres in the Oval Office mm-hmm. is to then when he can then leave and him and Steve Bannon and Roger Stone can then step right into this massive media conglomerate yeah. that is going to make him millions of dollars worldwide because this is not just this populist this pop- populism is not just unique to the United States. It is all throughout Europe. He'll be able to become the defining influence for the Republican Party's platform 
for here until decades right. down the road because it'll ultimately be them because all of his people will then follow him to that news network mm-hmm. and he'll be able to define what the Republican Party is. That's how I feel like this is going. Yeah, you you have been saying that for four years. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> well, anyway, it's time to go. Is it time to go? Yeah. All right. Thanks for hanging. Fun's over. I miss this. Fun's over. Uh, stay safe. Stay healthy. Um, and look out for one another, please. Yes. All right, guys. Bye. Bye. Thank you.